Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they begin to see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. It's Wednesday, January 19th, 2022, the 364th full day of dystopia. This is the end game. Let's get right into it. The first episode I did this year when I switched over to this idea of the end game, I talked about how we had gotten over the peak in terms of taking over the narrative. The central narrative falls apart almost immediately now. In fact, we can see hints of what they are going to do and destroy their ability to even get the stories out to the point where anyone even believes them in the first place. And that ultimately is the goal. You have to take away the power of the propaganda instruments. And that's exactly what we're doing. And that's why I always like to begin the show with further proof of that. This is an article from yesterday in the Washington Times, which is a conservative media outlet in Washington. It's a very good outlet, but it's not the Washington Post and the New York Times combined somehow. Okay, conservative outlet. It's got a point of view. The media turns on President Biden on eve of first anniversary. And this is Jennifer Harper writing for the Washington Times. This is not a happy scenario as President Biden prepares to mark his first anniversary in office, which is Thursday. News headlines from the last 24 hours offer evidence that the normally benign news media is acknowledging Mr. Biden's political woes among them. 
battered White House searches for a comeback scenario, said CNN. White House plots a public reset as Biden agenda fails, noted NBC News. Why is Biden one of the most unpopular U.S. presidents, asked The Guardian. This is not the first time the press has gotten noticeably frosty toward Mr. Biden. Similar headlines appeared in mid-August following the rocky and confused U.S. exit from Afghanistan. A bungled mess, the Atlantic said at the time. CNN turns on Joe Biden as Afghanistan actions are called a political disaster, pointed out Newsweek. As U.S. leaves Afghanistan, Europe sours on Biden, advised the Washington Post. Things are a little grim these days. The White House is down to just two core constituencies, anxious upper income women with multiple college degrees and barren personal lives and members of the national news media. And even that might be overstating Biden's support, given that there is such dramatic overlap between those two groups. Essentially, they are the same people, wrote Fox News Channel primetime host Tucker Carlson in a handy commentary published Tuesday. Now, because it can always get worse, Biden appears to be losing even the media. This is an ominous development. It's not an exaggeration to say that if this trend continues, it is the end of the Biden presidency, he said. The media are the only reason Joe Biden is president in the first place. Biden didn't campaign for the job. He didn't hold rallies or give speeches or tell the public what he might do if elected. No, for nearly a year, Biden stayed home hiding in terror from infectious voters. Instead, he let news organizations make his case for him, which they did. Mr. Carlson noted. And I'm going to jump down a section. Conservative media pushes back. Getter, a free speech social media platform that fights cancel culture, has a noteworthy ratings report to share in the wake of former President Donald Trump's rally in Florence, Arizona on Saturday night. The platform picked up three live streams of the event from Right Side Broadcasting Network, Real America's Voice and Newsmax, and ended up with a surprise audience of almost a million viewers, 994,666 to be exact. Consider that CNN averaged 705,000 primetime viewers, according to the most recent numbers from Nielsen Media Research. Live streaming on Getter is still in beta testing, but once fully rolled out in 2022, will allow content creators and regular users to broadcast video without the threat of shadow banning, censorship, or demonetization. These streaming numbers announce Getter's arrival as a streaming platform and a challenger to Silicon Valley alternatives like YouTube, which for too long has censored and muted voices it does not like. At Getter, we are focused on giving users unfiltered access to the world's most influential voices and fiercest free speech advocates, said Getter CEO Jason Miller in a statement shared with Inside the Beltway. And I completely understand that people have issues with Getter from being funded partially by Miles Guo to certain hires who seem like they are anti-Trump and may very well be anti-Trump to instances where people have claimed that they are censoring. And I am listening to all those concerns and I understand them, but I am not ready to give up on Getter yet, especially as platforms like Telegram come under more fire as they are today. There's a report out of Brazil that they're trying to take down Telegram before this year's presidential election. The global communist superpowers want to crush Bolsonaro, and they intend to use the same election process there as they did here in 2020, and they have in many other places, like, for instance, Myanmar. Always a nice parallel to look at Myanmar. 
And the Washington Times article finishes off with some notes on a poll from Gallup. It is a an analysis of 13 polls conducted last year, January through December 2021. 36% of U.S. adults now identify as conservatives. That includes 74% of Republicans, 30% of independents, and 12% of Democrats. It also includes 42% of non-Hispanic whites, 20% of non-Hispanic blacks, and 31% of Hispanics. 37% now identify as moderates, 22% Republicans, 48% independents, 37% Democrats. 34% of non-Hispanic whites identify as moderate, 51% of non-Hispanic blacks, and 38% of Hispanics. Only 25% of the country now identify as liberals. That's 4% of Republicans, 20% of independents, 50% of Democrats. 23% of non-Hispanic whites, 26% of non-Hispanic blacks, and 28% of Hispanics. So three out of four Americans do not identify as liberals. And the difference between identification as conservative and identification as liberal is a full 11 percentage points. When conservatives and moderates who kind of ideologically associate with more conservative ideas, but may be afraid to call themselves that, or just simply may not identify with being a conservative, but still are aligned for the most part ideologically. When those people begin to stand up and speak out and shed their membership to the party of false decorum and risk censorship and risk a little blowback at dinner parties, that is when we will begin to see the power of our numbers reflected in the reality we are experiencing day to day. And we are on that path right now. There is a write-up in Mediaite on a new poll from Politico. This article is by Joe DiPaolo. This is today. New poll. More than a third of the country gives Biden an F for his first year in office. Just 11% give him an A. One year into his term, more than a third of the country believes President Joe Biden is flunking out a new survey finds. According to a Politico morning consult poll out Wednesday, 37% of respondents give the president an F for the first quarter of his presidency. By contrast, a meager 11% give Biden an A thus far, while 20% give him a B. Nearly a third of the country put Biden in the C or D category, with 18% giving the president a C and 12% giving him a D. So, just right there, A or B grades for Joe Biden represents 31% of the country. 31% thinks that Joe Biden is doing an above average or good job. And that tracks fairly well with the other polling we see. Last week, Quinnipiac had, it, had him at 33% job approval. And even under that, with young people, with Hispanics, with independents, but there is no bottom. He will continue to sink. And he is about to go out today, this afternoon, after the show's over. So I'll probably talk about it tomorrow. But he's going to go out today and give a press conference, the first one he's had in a long time. And yes, of course, the questions will be scripted and chosen by the press office. His answers will be scripted. He will have the notes. He'll be reading off the teleprompter. All of the things. I get it. But we still have to watch his ridiculous performance. And after that ridiculous performance, more of the country will see how incompetent and demented Joe Biden actually is. 
At this point in his term, Biden's failing grade exceeds even former President Donald Trump's. The 45th president got an F from 35% of Americans compared to Biden's 37%. And that was with the entire media and culture, big tech, the universities, the corporations, everybody saying that good people hate Donald Trump. Now they are all propping up Joe Biden with the same force and his numbers are even worse than Trump's. Trump had virtually no defense. Biden got his worst marks on the economy, immigration, and restoring unity, with 40% flunking him in the latter two categories and 38% giving him an F on the economy. His best grades came on COVID-19 and healthcare, where 35 and 31% respectively gave him an A or a B, which is the same as his overall grade. There's not any issue that he is legitimately leading or excelling on. Okay. COVID-19 is his best grade and he got 35% of the country to give him an A or a B. Two thirds of the country is with us in ideology to some extent. They might not admit at this point that Trump is and was the solution. They might still think Trump is a very bad person, even though they only believe it. Because they were told by the same media that told them that lockdowns would work, that masks work, and that the vaccines are very safe and effective. Oh, and that COVID came from a bat at the Wuhan wet market. The very same media that trots Anthony Fauci all the time because he's an expert. Those people are the same people that taught this country to hate Donald Trump. And eventually that will wear off. It's honestly surprising and disappointing that it hasn't yet. But people want to hold on to something to pretend that something about everything they did in the political arena for the last six years was worth it and justified and moral. They still need to cling on to something. Well, fine. I see what you're saying about COVID, but I still don't like Donald Trump. Oh, right. Because you've been right in your assessment so often that you should definitely still trust your gut on that one. And by trust your gut, I mean continue to trust whatever the television tells you with the understanding that you will be punished if you disagree. Now, I mentioned yesterday that a 27th Democrat in the Congress had decided to retire rather than run for office again this fall in the November 2022 election cycle. Right when I finished yesterday's episode and got the show up, I turned back to Telegram to get the updates on everything I had missed in the last two hours. And I see that there is now a 28th Democrat who has declined to run again. This is the Daily Caller. 11-term Democratic rep announces retirement ahead of midterms by Michael Ginsburg. 11-term Democratic Rhode Island Representative Jim Langevin announced Tuesday that he will not run for re-election in 2022. Taking office in 2001, Langevin currently serves on the House Armed Services Committee, where he chairs the subcommittee on cyber, innovative technologies, and information systems, and the House Homeland Security Committee. Before his election to Congress, Langevin served in the Rhode Island House of Representatives and as the Secretary of State of Rhode Island. He was the first quadriplegic to be elected to the House of Representatives. 
It's been the privilege of a lifetime to represent you as a state representative, as secretary of state and as your congressman, Langevin said in a video posted to his YouTube channel. We've been in this fight together, just like we always have. I have not come to this decision lightly, but it is time for me to chart a new course, which will allow me to stay closer to home and spend more time with my family and friends. He added in an op-ed in the Providence Journal, staying home with your family and friends. That's the excuse every resigning person always uses so that they can save face. The truth is there is no way in the world he would get elected. And if somehow there was... He knows that his life in Congress for the rest of it would be lived as someone in a permanent and shamed minority. That is what the Democrat Party is going to be in the coming months. By the time this year is out, that party will be no more. Because as bad as things are for Democrats right now, which is why they're trying to stage a federal takeover of elections in direct violation to the Constitution. As bad as things are right now, in nine more months for Democrats, they will be so much worse. The January 6th thing is going to fall apart completely. The COVID thing has fallen apart almost completely. Countries in Europe are beginning to pull back their restrictions. The UK is getting rid of all of their restrictions. They're still encouraging people to follow them, but the mandates will be over, including the mask mandate, just gone. People are going to understand what the pharma companies have done, what the public health experts have done, and then they're going to understand immigration and inflation and the economy. They might even begin to understand things like the Great Reset. And you know they're going to understand election fraud because there is no way another nine months can pass without that story growing and growing and growing, just like it has been. And I understand the frustrations. I understand that you think it's taking way too long, but understand what's going on here with these candidates, okay? Also, understand this. Donald Trump has been endorsing candidates for at least six months, maybe longer. And there's a reason for that. Donald Trump is trying to map out across the country who the good guys are. And I'm not saying he's going to get everyone right. And I'm not saying you should simply take his word for it. But I am saying those endorsements are going to hold a lot of sway by the time November comes around. In fact, the value of the Donald Trump endorsement has rose considerably and consistently for as long as he's been endorsing candidates. And he started endorsing candidates way before it's normal to do so. Really, really early in the cycle. Why has he been doing that? Well, the first part that should point to the genius in the political strategy of Donald Trump in these elections. And I know Donald Trump, he's still dumb. It all just happened. No, it didn't all just happen. He knows what's going on. I'm not saying that he is directing everything from above, but there is obviously a concerted effort and strategy here that he put into play and is working. If the value of his endorsement was dropping, we'd have a different story. But he knew the value of his endorsement would not drop. 
In fact, MAGA is ascendant, and this is part of the proof of that. He didn't simply luck his way into this outcome. He knew what he was doing. The endorsement becomes more valuable. And now Democrats will find them in a position where they have to find a set of primary candidates, figure out which one is going to go to the general, and then figure out how to drum up a vote for that person who is virtually unknown at this point. These people are retiring because they know what their future looks like. And the further we go down this road, the more of them retire. The later they retire, the harder it is for the Democrats to find a good candidate, get that candidate public name recognition and get people to come out to vote. Meanwhile, Trump's candidates start off with a massive advantage just based on his endorsement. That's how powerful his endorsement is now. That's not something that happens by luck. Now, I often talk about realclearpolitics.com because it is kind of a meeting point that is seen as being in the center. Liberals will go there. Establishment conservatives and Republicans will go there. Pretty much any type of person will go there. And on the front page of Real Clear Politics, when you go there, you'll always see 10 to 15, sometimes maybe 20 articles from different political perspectives that are like the day's snapshot of the news and commentary on the news. And I think it's important to understand what perspectives are being shown there because you know that mainstream establishment political minds are looking at that space. So today there's an article shared on realclearpolitics.com. It's actually from yesterday on American greatness, but it appears today. And it's exactly the type of article that I am happy to have in the faces of establishment types and Biden voters. So American greatness from yesterday, the article is by Dan Gelernter. The headline, the Nazi next door. Your Democratic neighbors won't be ordered to vote for laws that ostracize you from society, steal your property, or send you away to a concentration camp. They will do it burning with pride. Almost half of Democratic voters, 48%, think the government should be able to fine or imprison individuals, quote, who publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio, or in online or digital publications, end quote. We talked about this the other day. This is not the most astonishing finding of a poll just released by Rasmussen. Let's go through the relevant points. Nearly the same percentage of Democrat voters, 47%, think the government should be able to put a tracking system like an ankle monitor or a locked collar on people who refuse the vaccine. And 45% favor putting the unvaccinated in camps. Camps. More than half of Democrat voters, 55%, think people who refuse the vaccine should be fined. 59% favor confining all unvaccinated people to their homes. More than a quarter of Democratic voters, 29%, think that the government should be able to confiscate the children of unvaccinated parents. Is any of this Nazi enough for you yet? You are living next door to the people who would have you turned over to the Comité de Salut Public for opposing the Law of suspects, the law that authorized the arrest of all suspected enemies of the revolution and ushered in the reign of terror. 
You are living next door to people who would have turned you over to the NKVD for, quote, moral sabotage of the Soviet Union. You are living next door to people who would have called up the Gestapo and said, my neighbor is hiding a Jew. And if you have listened to this podcast, I have been pointing this out for a year and a half while people were busy calling me crazy and an extremist. No, I could just simply see where this was going and had no problem voicing it because it's true. Examine these historical personages from revolutionary France or Soviet Russia or Nazi Germany or Nazi France. It's not just that they were following orders. On the contrary, they thought they were doing a positive good for society. They were eager to help rid their community of dangerous elements. They were proud of what they did. Some of your democratic neighbors will likewise be proud to lock you up, put a tracking collar on your neck, take away your children, all for the public good. These are people who would murder you for the public good. And this is the inevitable result of raising up generations of Americans without any fundamental attachment to freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of action, freedom of conscience. Our public schools told us these things were ubiquitous and natural. So there was nothing special about America having them. There was nothing special about anyone having them. And because leftists don't realize just how hard our ancestors had to fight for these unique and historically unprecedented rights, they're not shocked or even sad to see them taken away. On the contrary. Your neighbors think your attachment to these rights is precisely what makes you dangerous. My high school taught a little unit on the German excuse for World War II. This was the excuse fashioned by Hitler's architect and minister of war armaments, Albert Speer, at the Nuremberg trials. Speer thought that only one thing could save the German people from being tarred for all history with their irredeemable and totally enveloping sin. The leaders, including Speer, would have to take the fault entirely on themselves and say, our people didn't know what they were doing. They were just following orders. And this excuse has worked extremely well. Our high school teachers will discuss this and ask us if we think that following orders is a legitimate excuse for doing evil. They failed to see how this has reframed the entire question. The question is not whether following orders is a good excuse. The question, which we no longer ask, is whether following orders was actually the motivation. Because, of course, it was not. Nazis weren't just ordered to be Nazis. French collaborators weren't just ordered to collaborate. Chinese students of the Cultural Revolution weren't just ordered to murder their teachers in ways too ugly to describe here. These people relished what they did. And such was the purity of their commitment that they were willing to turn against friends and even family. Indeed, destroying something you love for the sake of the revolution is the highest proof there can be of your personal goodness. And again, this is exactly, exactly the moral condition that I have been talking about for the last at least 18 months. If you have spent much time listening over that period, you will know that a lot of time on this podcast has been devoted to figuring out what it is that is making these people so crazy and so evil. Because they do turn on their friends and family, and each and every one of us knows that. If we have had the courage to speak out in public spaces with people who do not agree with us, we know how it feels when people choose to believe Chris Cuomo over us, assuming that he, the expert, the man on TV, well, he can't possibly be lying. Oh, yeah, but my, my family? 
my, my son, my daughter, my dad, my mom. Oh, those people. Yeah, they are trying to steer me down the evil path. That's it. The guy you do not know at all who covered for his sexually harassing brother while he killed old folks in nursing homes. That guy is more trustworthy than your mother or father or brother or sister or husband or wife or best friend. Hey, if it comes down to you and Chris Cuomo, well, I'm on team Cuomo. Sorry. Now, do you have the number for the Gestapo? Can you just call them on yourself or are you going to make me do it? You white supremacist. Your Democratic neighbors won't be ordered to vote for laws that ostracize you from society, steal your property, or send you away to a concentration camp. They will do it burning with pride and even with righteous indignation against you for forcing them to these extremes. They've already done it in New Zealand and Australia and Canada, places our schools taught us were identical to America in terms of rights and freedoms. This is why Americans cling to their guns. It has nothing to do with hunting. It has nothing to do with self-defense against the common criminal. We cling to our guns so that when our neighbors show up and say, we're going to take you to the camps now because you're a danger to society, we can look back at them and say, like hell you will. And I've also spent a lot of time on this podcast going over the similarities and commonalities we have in America right now with former evil regimes from the past. We have talked about the relationship to communism. It is obvious. It fulfills most, if not all, of the elements of a communist regime. We are on that path. We are almost all the way there. Okay. Socialism is not even a conversation anymore. Fascism is the union of government and corporate interests oppressing the people. We absolutely have that. We have public-private partnerships. We have big tech companies working as state actors. We have private voting machine companies working as state actors to yield election outcomes desired by the world's most powerful institutions. And then what of Nazism? Well, we have medical experimentation against people's will. That is one thing that no one can deny. We have false flag events in order to take political advantage. The January 6th, very violent insurrection is almost an exact historical parallel to the Reichstag fire in Germany. We do have actual concentration camps opening up around the world for the unvaccinated. Oh, and it'll probably only be the unvaccinated. They would never put anyone else in camps, no matter how much they disagreed with the regime. And if you believe that you are on par in terms of IQ with the sort of people who would give Joe Biden an A or the sort of people that I used to know in Hollywood. They are absolutely dumb enough to believe that none of this will ever come for them. That is how sheltered they are, how bubbled they are, and how utterly ignorant they are of virtually everything that's happening around them. They also have some crazy belief that they will be always fully vaccinated no matter what. So they will never be the unvaccinated people. 
doesn't matter how many of their family and friends are injured by the first shot or the second shot or the third shot or the fourth shot. Doesn't matter. It's always going to be something other than the vaccine and they'll just want one more. And do we even have to talk about censorship? Evil regimes, dictatorial regimes, illegitimate regimes survive on propaganda state media and censorship. And we saw exactly that in Nazi Germany. None of it is hyperbole. None of it is going overboard. It is an exact historical parallel. The fact that you cannot see it when it's happening around you is no indication that somehow the historical parallel fails somewhere. It is your perspective and your ability to observe reality that is failing you if you do not agree. And how about this? If you are still willing to say that this is some sort of extreme view, this article is from the Los Angeles Times. Okay, that little paper, the Los Angeles Times. This is published today. The writer is named Robin Abkarian. How to persuade the willfully unvaccinated, make their lives more difficult. That's the headline. In the city of Los Angeles, where I live, you can't enter a restaurant, a government building, a gym, a bar, or a coffee shop without showing proof of vaccination. I know some establishments are less apt to check than others, but each time I walk past a no vaccination, no service sign, my heart skips a beat. <laughs> Got that? I bet they would think the same about water fountains. Like if one water fountain was for the vaccinated and one was for the unvaccinated, their heart would probably go all a flutter knowing that the unvaccinated would be forced to use the other water fountain. And maybe we'll just leave that one like a little dirty and the water will only dribble out. But who cares? What else do they deserve? They're unvaccinated. This person would definitely not have stood up for anyone in the civil rights era or in Nazi Germany. And we're just getting started. The few times I've entered a restaurant lately, I've joyfully whipped out my proof of vaccination card. I enjoy doing my part. Getting vaccinated against COVID-19 is not any kind of sacrifice. It is an act that is, paradoxically, both selfish and selfless. You're doing something for yourself, reducing the likelihood of contracting the virus and reducing the likelihood of hospitalization or death in the event of a breakthrough infection. You're also doing something for others, your loved ones, your friends, your casual contacts, and people you've never even met. This is the ultimate win-win. It's so strange, isn't it, that they don't describe what exactly you're doing for others? I would love to ask this person because I guarantee you that they cannot answer that in any competent or coherent way. That is the sort of claim that you can break down in two or three steps and completely embarrass that person. They would basically say that the vaccine reduces your chances of transmission and infection from the coronavirus, except the vaccine doesn't do that. So what else you got, Robin? As the Omicron variant of this awful virus rages like wildfire through our communities, I want to be inoculated to the max. Oh, yeah, dude. Radical. Vaccinate me to the max. If an expert told me I would benefit from a fourth shot or a fifth or a sixth, 
I would rush to the nearest pharmacy for another dose. Why wouldn't you rush to your doctor's office? Oh, because you like being injected with experimental drugs in the parking lot, like the average homeless person. Gotcha. Maybe you've spent a little too much time in L.A., huh, Robin? That's how much I believe in the science of vaccines, in the advice of experts, and in the idea that individual rights and preferences must take a backseat to the public health. Okay, Robin, but that's because you're a communist. Having to place an undetermined group of people above yourself is the sort of ridiculous self-hatred and lack of individuality that can only occur in the mind of a child-brained communist. That's why I'm so angry that so many eligible people remain unvaccinated. I'm thrilled that they are not able to mingle everywhere at will with those of us doing our part to get the pandemic under control. Like, ill. Don't even want them around us. I cannot even believe that they are like able to go to the same grocery stores and restaurants. If they keep this up, I am going to move even further into my gated community. And here we have the part where the communist recognizes how evil they are and they try to rationalize and justify it with a very convoluted and complicated explanation that still goes nowhere. Are you ready? Please do not misunderstand. I am not talking about children under five who are not yet eligible for the vaccine, nor those who, for medical reasons, cannot be vaccinated. Most people with underlying conditions, including autoimmune disorders, are eligible to be vaccinated against COVID, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Obviously, this is a decision for patients and their doctors. My ire is directed at the vaccine refuseniks, those who have murdered their better angels because they don't like being told what to do, or they don't trust the government, or they feign a religious objection. You got that? So what Robin is saying is, hey, I understand I just said something pretty evil, but you need to understand what I'm saying and you'll realize that, okay, yeah, it's still evil, but it's necessary. So just to be clear, I'm only saying that we are going to do this to the bad people who we all hate, you know, and we're not going to discriminate by health status or age. But we are going to discriminate by like health status and age if you're seven. okay? because seven year olds really need to get on the program. And I know it's not their choice. I know it's not their choice. And that's part of why we need to really make life difficult for their parents. Like, even if it means that the kid can't eat like, hey, if your kid starves, well, you should have got vaccinated. You should have listened to us because the thing is, we're not trying to do anything evil to you. It's just that we have to do evil to prevent you from doing something that we think and say is evil, even though, you know, I mean, the facts aren't on our side and everybody's going to realize soon that we are very, very evil. But 
You have to do what we tell you or else your kid starves. And so what you need to do is inject yourself with an experimental gene therapy that kills more people than every vaccine combined in the last 30 years, does not prevent infection, transmission, serious illness or death, and can cause serious and lifelong medical complications like myocarditis and pericarditis and maybe even sterility because I got to admit, 82% of the Pregnant women who got the vaccine did lose their babies, <laughs> but you know, this is just the situation we're faced with and people like us, we don't want to be around people like you and I'm sorry, your invitation to join us is right out there in the CVS parking lot. All you have to do is inject yourself out there like the common street urchin. And then you're all good. Earlier this month, with COVID infections in his country at a new peak, French President Emmanuel Macron caused a stir when he used a vulgarity to describe how he wants the willfully unvaccinated to feel when they realize their movements will be limited. In an interview with the newspaper La Parisienne, Macron, who was pushing for... (laughs) My French is amazing, right? who was pushing for new restrictive legislation, was quoted as saying the equivalent of the unvaccinated. I really want to annoy the hell out of them. And so we're going to continue doing so until the end. That's the strategy. On Sunday, the law gained final approval in the country's National Assembly. Henceforth, most people 16 and older will have to show a vaccine pass in order to legally enter restaurants, bars, theaters, fairs, seminars and trade shows, as well as to travel on public transportation. It is no longer enough to show a negative COVID test. Robin Abkarian in the Los Angeles Times right now is giving the positive argument for papers, please. But you're right. I'm an extremist who's using hyperbole when I make this direct historical parallel to Nazi Germany. Yes, I'm the problem for saying it. And oh, 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 I'm minimizing the Holocaust. No, no, I'm actually saying the Holocaust is the worst historical event on record in most of our understanding. And I am comparing what's happening right now, right before your eyes to a direct historical parallel showing you illustrating How very dangerous the time we are in right now is because we can see from history's atrocities where this is going. And before you say, well, that was just about one ethnic group. Okay. Well, who in the world, what country in the world has taken the most of these experimental shots? You might note that it's Israel and you might note that Israel's health ministry has just determined that four shots in fact are not enough also you may examine the fact that the vast majority of the black american community community you get it communists i'm using your language community the black american community something like 70 percent of black americans have not gotten the shot so who are you discriminating against And by the way, you want to talk numbers? Oh, well, six million Jews haven't died. Well, first off, 
how the hell do you know? It's not like they would report it to you. And it's not like you would look because you are like this person. But we do know that hundreds of millions of people in this world have been pushed into extreme poverty so that they can live out their days as absolute paupers starving in the streets until they die. So are those enough numbers for you? Or do you want to talk about the numbers that were increased in child abuse, domestic abuse, drug abuse, suicide, depression? Or do you care to minimize that too? Since it was your policy and people like you, Robin, are the ones who put it in place. Back to the article. They're talking about the law put in place in France. Draconian? May we. Laudable? Bien sûr. On Monday, the Washington Post published a story about an Italian cellist who had not left his house for four days. Why? Because he refuses to get vaccinated against COVID and Italy, too, has imposed harsh restrictions on the unvaxxed. For people like him, wrote the Post, the choice is to get inoculated or face exclusion. Even the Pope has lost his patience. Vaccines are not a magical means of healing, Pope Francis said recently during his State of the World annual speech. Yet surely they represent, in addition to other treatments that need to be developed, the most reasonable solution for the prevention of the disease. Now, the idea that the Pope is some objective observer on the outside trying to give the best advice for Catholic Christendom is utterly insane. The Pope is fully on board with the global communist global reset agenda. That is just 100% fact. I know we don't talk about that a lot on this show, but that is true and you can go deep into it. Several years ago, after a measles outbreak began at Disneyland and spread mainly to unvaccinated people, California lawmakers realized our state had a problem. You got that? It spread to mainly unvaccinated people. That huge society destroying measles outbreak. Remember the death toll. Too many parents were receiving medical or personal belief exemptions from school vaccine requirements, allowing childhood vaccination rates to fall precipitously in some counties. Medical exemptions exist for children such as Rhett Crowett, a Marin County boy with leukemia who could not get a measles vaccine because chemotherapy had damaged his immune system. In 2015, Rhett, then six, spoke publicly about the need for healthy people to get vaccinated and educated many of us on the concept of herd immunity. You got that? Robin Abkarian, writer for the Los Angeles Times, is now saying that a six-year-old's advocacy for the vaccine should be taken into our calculations because he has leukemia and couldn't get the vaccine. Therefore, it's our responsibility to take a potentially dangerous vaccine. And I'm not saying anything about the measles vaccine, but also kind of. But he's using this as a parallel. We need to take this dangerous experimental gene therapy because six-year-olds like Rhett have leukemia and might be put in danger if we don't. We should listen to the six-year-old. 
the six-year-old who Robin Abkarian admits educated him or her, can't tell, just Robin, on herd immunity. The six-year-old. What happened to listen to the experts? Instead, they're telling us to listen to children that we have told what to say, just like Greta Thunberg. At the time, Marin County had one of the lowest childhood vaccination rates in the state. Marin County is one of the wealthiest counties in the country. And we are consistently told by people like Robin Abkarian that the wealth indicates education and sophistication. Why were they vaccinating their children at such a low rate? But wait, forget about that. Let's see what Robin Abkarian has next. Uh, Also, it has the highest COVID vaccination rate in California. Rhett is now 13 and fully vaccinated against COVID. And please don't think me evil when I wonder aloud whether or not we'll be able to check in with Rhett in another nine years. The personal belief exemption has always been specious. Virtually no religions oppose vaccines. You got that? Robin Abkarian, the guy who was educated by a six-year-old on herd immunity, is now prepared to educate you about your own religious beliefs. Even Christian science, which historically advocated for prayer rather than medical intervention, encourages vaccination. We see this as a matter of basic golden rule ethics and New Testament love, the church said in 2019, which is a strange time to have been speaking out in favor of the not yet existent COVID vaccine. But okay, Robin, the concept of a personal belief exemption is nutty in a uniquely Californian way. If a parent did not care to vaccinate a child or at least did not care to vaccinate according to the schedule recommended by the CDC and approved by the American Academy of Pediatrics, all they needed to do was invoke a personal belief. And that shouldn't mean anything when you compare it with the CDC who told you to wear masks for the last 18 months, but now realizes that masks don't actually work. Yeah, you got to listen to them. And there's no way that the American Academy of Pediatrics could somehow be bought off or compromised. It's not like they're funded by Pfizer. Oh, wait, they oh, they are funded by Pfizer, at least in part. So it's not a problem. Don't worry. There are probably (laughs) other funders out there that have nothing to do with Pfizer or pharma or any globalist agenda or anything. I mean, except if you go to their website and then you can actually see that their top 10 donors were the JPB Foundation, Reckitt Mead Johnson, Melissa and Doug, don't know who they are, Abbott Nutrition, Conrad N. Hilton Foundation, Johnson and Johnson, Nestle, the Nicholson Foundation, Ronald McDonald House Charities and Senofi Genzyme. So, wow, there's uh, some pharma in there. And Nestle, gosh, they're a great company. And Ronald McDonald House Charities. Aren't they the charity that just made headlines for kicking kids out of their program if they weren't vaccinated? They also have these corporate sponsors and partners. Abbott, Pampers, Merck, Sanofi Pasteur, Prolacta Bioscience, Securus. Sobe, I don't know what those two are. 
Janssen Infectious Diseases, New York Life Insurance Companies, Perigo Nutritionals, GlaxoSmithKline, Roche, Johnson & Johnson, Kaleo, Novo Nordisk Incorporated, and Supernus Pharmaceuticals. And that's how you know that when they tell you that the shots are very safe and very effective for children, you can believe the American Academy of Pediatrics. As the debate over closing that loophole raged in 2015 in Sacramento, I spent a fair amount of time in such places as Santa Cruz and Marin County with college-educated mothers who truly believed they knew better than pediatricians and epidemiologists when it came to protecting their children against disease. It was a disconnect I could never really understand. <laughs> Ask a six-year-old Robin! Eventually, the legislature outlawed the personal belief exemption, and then-Governor Jerry Brown signed it into law. A few years later, the legislature tightened up requirements for medical exemptions, too. And soon, California school children will be required to get the COVID vaccine. Oh, what a great victory. Thank goodness we have full-on Democrat control in the California government to be able to make it so that your kid can be forced to take a vaccine. Don't you see how great Democrats are? Don't you see how great the election apparatus in California is? What do you think they have those 5 million extra voter registries for? It's so that they can work for the good of the community. Here's the thing about these pro-vaccine laws. They do not deprive anyone of freedom. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you don't have to. No one is going to hold you down and stick a needle in your arm, even though that is exactly what they're doing in other places. But if you aren't vaccinated, you don't get to go to school. You don't get to sit in theaters or restaurants or work out at the gym. You can homeschool, watch Netflix, and lift weights in your garage. Really, it's up to you. And as a note, at the bottom of this article, you are able to contact Robin Abkarian on Twitter by going to at Abkarian, L-A-T, A-B-C-A-R-I-A-N-L-A-T, Robin Abkarian, Nazi. But let's take just a second on that last part, okay? If you aren't vaccinated, you don't get to go to school, sit in theaters, restaurants, or work out at the gym. That is basically exactly what they did during lockdown, right? You couldn't do anything like that during lockdown. So what they did was reduce the standard of freedom down to virtually nothing and give you back some of it if you comply with whatever they say, regardless of the medical outcomes to you as an individual. You got to understand that the problems the vaccine injuries and the vaccine deaths are just a small drop in the bucket compared to how many doses they've given out. And yes, it hasn't even been a year for most people. So the problems are just beginning, but still drop in the bucket. You have nothing to worry about. You must comply or else you can't get your former life back. It's just what the science says. Sorry. To pretend that these ideas are not representative somewhere down deep in the souls of the still sleeping Biden voters is to miss a key aspect of what has been happening here over the last two years. This is considered an intellectual view prepared and ready for public consumption. 
according to one of the most powerful media outlets in this country. And we should remember, in terms of historical parallels, that media outlets and corporations in this country also supported the actual Nazi regime. Okay? Because as much as they want to try to pull the old switcheroo and say the real Nazis are people in the South. The real Nazis were wearing red hats and they went to the Capitol to stage an insurrection and not to stand up against the fact that the election was determined completely as a result of obvious and overwhelming fraud. You can't go out and say that, but Those are the Nazis in this country. Those are the real Nazis. And we act like Nazism was some movement by poor, dejected people who felt their country was being taken away from them by global powers. It was not. The Nazi movement was entirely on the side of global powers. Nazis had rampant propaganda, not only in their media, but in their entertainment. The Nazi regime made stars out of the actors that would act in the propaganda entertainment. And what do we have in America? Nazism wasn't a popular uprising. It was an elite cleansing of the underclass who they could scapegoat for all of society's problems and acquire more power in the process. That's exactly what's happening in America right now with people like this who don't feel any compunction about oppressing their family, friends, and neighbors. This really is the state of things now. And it has been the state of things for the last two years. It has always been headed in exactly this direction. And you can watch the language of these people. And you can see what they advocate for. It gets ever more serious, ever more restrictive, ever more oppressive. When do you think they will stop? They won't stop. These people don't stop. They live on division. They acquire power through division. And their hunger for power does not subside. Therefore, they need more division. They need more oppression. They need more restriction. You can keep going, if you like, by complying with whatever they say. That's freedom now, according to these people. This stuff should not be taken lightly. Now, before I go, I want to switch subjects completely without a segue. This is from a few days ago, January 14th, Andy Sirota at click2houston.com, which is a local NBC affiliate in Houston. Mail-in ballot applications being rejected at alarming rate, voting rights advocates say, okay, Now, this is a piece of extreme propaganda, which is the exact bizarro world opposite of what it should be saying. But it's really interesting. With the March 1st primary election about six weeks away, now is a good time to check the status of your mail-in ballot application. As next month's deadline looms closer, voting rights advocates said confusion is leading to a large number of rejections. That agency, along with Harris County election officials, blame changes by Senate Bill 1, which now requires voters to put their driver's license or Social Security number on an application. Voters just don't want to do it. They say, I feel uncomfortable sending that kind of sensitive information over mail said Harris County Elections Administrator Isabel Longoria. 
I assume, not realizing that if they distrust the mail so greatly, then expanding the number of mail-in ballots would probably be a bad idea. Or they're providing information that doesn't match what the county has on record. Well, that's strange. So they have a driver's license and they have a social security number and the county should have those on record, obviously. But the information doesn't match. Hmm. Either way, Harris County has increased its rejection rate by almost 700 percent. Out of the 1,200 mail-in ballot applications we have received, we are having to reject or kind of send back 208 of those for corrections or other issues. That's pretty high, Longoria said. Compare that to the same time frame in 2018, the last time the area had a primary election. Of the 4,826 applications received, 121 were rejected. We knew this was happening, and I don't take any joy in saying, I told you so, said Stephanie Gomez with Common Cause Texas. Common Cause Texas, which has been fighting for equity for voters' rights, is ramping up its efforts to work with voters who need help with their ballot applications. We have been doing election protection work for years now. That is a resource that exists for our partners, Gomez said. If your application is rejected, expect to receive a phone call or email from Harris County, along with a rejection letter requesting the correct information. We try to follow up, Longoria said. We go above and beyond, jumping through these hoops so voters don't have to. And then they give the voter assistance number. But isn't it incredible that they are taking the information that the state, the county uses to verify that they are, in fact, the real legal American citizen who is eligible to cast that vote and trying to argue that that verification is too much of a steep hill to climb for these voters. We have to get rid of the verification because some people's verifications don't pan out. So it's not that those people aren't actually eligible voters, and it's not that the mail in ballot application and the mail-in ballot itself are unnecessary additional problems that serve no justifiable purpose when trying to run a clean election with integrity. That's not the problem. The problem is that they have to verify who the voter is at all. That's what really upsets these people. That's what they are saying is unfair. That is too much of a burden for average American citizens. Therefore, we should just get rid of it all entirely. There's no reason to verify anyone. There's no reason to verify the ballot. There's no reason to verify the person is an actual American eligible voter. Let's just take all the votes that we can muster and gather and harvest from anywhere, and we're going to throw them in the pot. And if it just so happens that we only end up electing Democrats and Republicans aligned with Democrats in the global communist agenda, well, that's what we have to do to expand access. And if you don't agree, you're a racist. All right, that's it for today. Please continue sharing the show. If you are able to, please go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator, ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator and donate to support me and to support my work and the show. And if you haven't done it, 
Go to cancelcouture.com or the direct link is shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. There's a lot of new merchandise up there. There's a lot of old stuff that people might feel a little more comfortable with now. And I started this line called uh, Free Man, like the idea to free mankind. It's also a little shout out to the friend I lost last year. Those are very cool. Some people have started buying those. Please take pictures of yourselves in those. Send them my way. I love that. Also, if you are in Los Angeles or in Hollywood, there are Sorry Hollywood, Chris Paul Was Right stickers. Those would look amazing on Hollywood Boulevard or on Franklin, right in Franklin Village. Those would be great places. Anywhere in Los Feliz would be wonderful. Throw some downtown in that neighborhood where all the communists wage their little protests. It'll be a heck of a good time. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time out on the range. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!